So tonight, as we open up the Word of God, I do want to talk some about, um, about what we're going to go after for the next 21 days. And the next 21 days, we're referring to it as 21 days of devotion. And um, perhaps the, the sermon series for the next three weeks, if we could call it that, uh, could be set apart. Just simply set apart. Um, I, I really feel at the GO conference that God dropped some words in my spirit about consecration. I'm getting a little old school, huh? About consecration, about holiness. That's a sermon series we ain't heard in a while, right? About holiness, um, about devotion about obedience, about righteousness. I mean, you know, these things I, to be honest with you guys, feel like I somewhat cut my teeth on um, under the pew as a kid because I grew up in a Pentecostal holiness church. So I would probably be kicked out for my long hair and my beard, but you know, that's another sermon. And I just, you know, I grew up understanding like the Holy Spirit was called holy for a reason. Do you ever think about the fact that God could have called his spirit anything, but he called it holy? He could have said it's the loving spirit. He could have said it's the powerful spirit. But when he began to share his spirit with the world, he called it the Holy Spirit. And I just think that it's important that as we embrace relationship with God's spirit, that we embrace connection and transformation of his holiness. So how do you guys feel about that? Come on. Well, what I feel like that we need to do for the next 21 days is pray and fast. So... I know it's going to get quiet when you start talking about <laughs> prayer and fasting and people are thinking, is he going to ask me to go on a complete 21-day full fast starting right now? Is he crazy? <laughs> For those of you warriors in the room that are like, yep, I'm good. <laughs> Dude, I want to run with you. Meet me after church. Tell me about that. Uh, but I honestly, we, ha we have a... Um, we have, a, we have a calendar that we put on the wall in the lobby. And so what we're going to do over the next 21 days is that there's always going to be somebody fasting food as a part of this family on behalf of you and this family. All right. So what we're asking you to do is choose a day. Choose one day a week if you want. Choose one day in the next three weeks if you want. Choose more than that if you'd like. Whatever there's grace for, okay? We're not asking you to come out and just, you know, show off. You know, Jesus is not looking for that. But whatever there's grace for, guys, I just want to ask you to sign up because in blocks from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m., we have the calendar out there and, you know, we'll be fasting uh, food. And that, that's primarily what the calendar is for. However, if you are in a season where you cannot fast food, you know, um, you know maybe for a medical reason or you're pregnant like my wife, um, and all of that stuff, then that's okay too. Choose something else to fast, all right? We just feel like that the next 21 days 
are gonna be absolute devotion to Jesus and that we're gonna champion him as the first and foremost reason for why we are a church, why we are a family, and everything that we do from this moment onward. Could we make a bigger deal out of Jesus? I just, you know what I mean? It's like, could we just spend 21 days just making a huge deal out of Jesus? You know, I mean, I love everything that we learn, you know, in church because, I, you know, I've been in church all my life, but like, I just want to spend three weeks in absolute devotion and consecration to the man Jesus, just talk about Jesus a lot, and then just say, Jesus, whatever it looks like and whatever it takes, we want to look like you. We're going to open up the sanctuary on Wednesday evenings from 6 to 9 p.m. for prayer every Wednesday for the next three weeks. It's a come and go event, so you don't have to come at six and then stay till, the, till nine, all right? You can come in, stay for 15 minutes, stay 30 minutes, or stay the whole time if you want. It, whatever it looks like is completely fine, but we're gonna have different worship leaders doing different worship sets, and uh, there'll be a little directed prayer at the end. But the whole point of that, guys, is just to seek the presence of God in absolute devotion um, and obedience. So if you're with that, just say amen. amen. We wanna, you know, we, we wanna go after this. And uh, to, ju to just get you guys excited, I have a video uh, here I wanna show you before I read, read, read from the Bible. Um, it's, it's, it's about seven minutes long. And a couple of years ago, I had the privilege of sitting down with Lou Engel. How many of you guys know Lou Engel? He's a great man of God. And um, hung out with him uh, for a little bit, and I interviewed him. And I asked him some big questions about intercession, prayer, and about fasting. And so I wanted to share with you guys his answers and uh, some of what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes. Does that sound good? Yeah. Awesome. So we got this video for you. I want to share it with you. I see a lot of people today, young people especially, in our culture, especially here in our city in Nashville, who've really lost the value for persistent prayer and for intercession. And I wanted to ask you, would you share with us, what is the purpose of intercession and why should we do it? Well, intercession is the key issue. Jesus at the cross made intercession. It wasn't his words. It was the offering of his life in love. Intercession is an offering of your life in love. I think back to, to prayer answers and, and the reason of prayer. First of all, Acts chapter 2. When Jesus left the earth, he only left one thing behind. He didn't leave behind an evangelism program. He left behind an upper room. Because the upper room of prayer is the only thing that can open heaven. Mm. We try to do our church growth programs and all these things. But it is those in the upper room and suddenly out of heaven. God has ordained that prayer opens up heaven. There are the answers you need are from heaven. Mm. And it is, it is prayer that opens that thing up. I look at my life, desperations in my own life where I lost the heart of my son for 31, uh, 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 age 14. Mm. And I got so desperate to get my son's heart back. Mm. I wanted my son's heart back. And I, yeah. So I prayed and fasted for 31 days. And in 31 days, he starts getting dreams of revival. And I got my heart back. <laughs> I, I don't need a doctrine. I need an experience. I know prayer works. Amen. And I could go on and on and on. I think of this, you know. I was a prayer pastor. Mm -hmm. I, I led prayer meetings for years. Little prayer meetings, six o'clock prayer meetings, yeah. fasting, long prayer, prayer meetings, boring prayer meetings. Most prayer meetings are kind of boring, but persistent prayer. Mm. 
accumulated prayer, I call it Kronos prayer, ordinary time leads to Kairos moments. Mm -hmm. If you'll pray over your life, over things long enough, there comes a time when the curtain opens and you step into divine conversions mm -hmm. and you wonder how you got there. Years of prayer, years of little prayer meetings, doing this, and then on, a, on September 2nd, 2000, it was almost like this. John was in the desert praying mm. until the day of his public appearance. Yeah. And I stepped onto that mall September 2nd, mm. 5.30 in the morning, thinking maybe 20,000 people come. They said there were already 270,000 gathered at 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> and I wept and I said, how did this happen? I'll tell you what, I think it's this. I prayed, and then finally God says, I've seen your prayers. They've risen as a memorial before me. Mm -hmm. I've entrusted this to you, and now it's your time. And I'm just going to pull the curtain mm -hmm. and let you do your little prayer meeting with 400,000. Wow. It's what happens in prayer. Destinies unfold. Lives are changed. I mean, I, I want to encourage everyone. Give your life to prayer because Amen. it looses God to do what you cannot do. Amen. That's an amazing word. I also fasting. <laughs> that know. miserable, miserable vocation of fasting. Yeah, fasting. It just seems like, I mean, I've heard people say today, Lou, like, oh, you know, I don't need to fast. Like, it's just not necessary. You know, um, I know a lot of people use the scripture as a joke, saying like, oh, well, you know, I'll fast when the bridegroom's not with me. But the bridegroom's always with me because Jesus is walking with me, so I don't need to fast. People say that jokingly. I know yes. that. But overall, I feel like we've lost the value for, for fasting and for persistent prayer. And I wanted to ask you, just like intercession, what's the purpose of fasting? Why should people fast? Well, fasting, go read church history mm. or the Bible. Almost every shifting moment in the Bible, someone's fasting. It is a God-ordained wow. prescription wow. to release you into the next seasons. Jesus fasts 40 days mm -hmm. in between his calling and his ministry, and it birthed the, uh, the, 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 the apostolic age. Mm. It's always like that. I look, I, I read a book called Shaping History Through Prayer and Fasting. Yeah. Lit Me on Fire by Derek Prince. Encourage everybody to read it. I've read it. I, it, I want to change the you world. You gave it to me. I did? At the call. When you left it on my chair. Come on! <laughs> so I took it and read it. So I started fasting. I remember I remember the scripture says mm. these demons don't come out but by prayer and fasting. Yes, yes. I fasted 10 days praying for 10 days with my friend that we cast out demons. On the 10th day, a friend calls me and says, there's this lady, gal here, I think she needs to be delivered. Mm. I went over there, demons manifested. Wow. Bam, I hit that thing, an immediate deliverance. Wow. And I said, oh, fasting is a dimension to break into deliverance. Then I, I desired that our church would break into, would break into to prophetic worship and that God yeah. would interrupt our worship mm. with his glory and people would get saved without altar calls mm -hmm. just in the presence of the Lord for 30 days with a company I prayed every night fasting 30 days mm. on the 30th day we were worshiping God and suddenly boom an explosion erupts in the church people start getting saved without an altar call wow. and, and and people for weeks just get saved during, during the worship I'm telling you it is God's dimension I'm not going to give you this, all the scriptures, but the scriptures are filled both Old and New Testament of the power of fasting. I could tell you stories after stories, but I don't have time to. It's God. Listen, fasting's difficult. Mm -hmm. I hate fasting. Yeah, it's hard. You know, 
One time I was supposed to be fasting, but I cheated. Have you ever heard this story? I haven't. And I snuck yogurt and chips. Ah, uh, okay. I snuck yogurt and chips. I didn't want anybody to know. Sure. The next day I was in our 24-hour house of prayer and this prophetic intercessor walked in, scary lady. Mm. And, I, and I said to her, and she said to me, I had a dream. She said, I had a dream last night. You're, you're sitting right where you're sitting right now. But in the dream, you were supposed to be fasting. I was discouraged with you. Mm. But you were eating yogurt and chips. <laughs> I am committed to fasting. It's what God gave me to do in, in my life. Mm. And actually, with mobilizing thousands, maybe millions around the globe, mm. I am called to release a whole new wave of fasting mm. that will actually precipitate the latter rain and bring in the harvest. It's God's means, yes. both Old and New Testament. Amen. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that stuff with us today. I, that was the last time I cut my hair. Dead serious. Um, man, I was just getting rocked by that. I've seen that a bunch, and I interviewed Lou personally, but nonetheless, every time I watch it, it's like my soul catches on fire, and I just can't wait to fast. Anybody else ready to fast now after watching that? Only three people. Okay, I understand. Um, I get it. But, man, I, I really felt like that, was, that had a lot of, of impartation in it. You know, there's so much that we can learn from Lou. Uh, watching Lou, I think he's probably one of the more significant generals in the faith for our generation. You guys agree with that? I mean, what he's done is, is, is insane. And uh, I just, I really felt that when I shared at the GO conference, I shared a dream. How many of you guys heard me speak at the GO conference? Okay, a few of you guys. Awesome, about half of you guys. Amazing. It was, it was super fun. I had a blast uh, preaching that night, Friday night. But I shared a dream about Lou, and I'll share it to you just super quick, okay? So in the dream, um, I, was, I was watching Lou preach, and he was doing what he was doing in the video, you know, he was doing that, and uh, like Lou does. And he was preaching about terrorist groups encountering Jesus and getting saved. And as he was preaching and he was praying and, you know, it was, it was, he was on fire, you know, going for it, that, uh, that, that his watch fell off. And, um, and as I looked and, and he continued to preach, I realized that the clock uh, was still on his wrist. Uh, even though he continued to preach with, with a lot of passion, the clock was there. And uh, I, I got up and I began to look and I saw his watch band was, was down on the carpet and someone else was kind of going to get it and I pushed their hand away and I grabbed it and I returned it to him and woke up out of the dream. So out of the dream, I was very confused about what it meant. And, you know, I, I don't know if you guys would have figured that out right away or not. I just felt like that was strange. You know, how in the world would a guy's watch band fall off but the clock stay on his wrist, especially somebody moving with such intensity and preaching with such power like Lou Engle? So for three days, I made phone calls, I text messaged friends, um, I, I prayed, I asked the Lord for an interpretation, what that dream could mean for me, and I got nothing. I mean, even people who were my pastors who had interpreted dreams for me in the past said, I just don't know what that means, Lyle. And for three days, I prayed. I said, God, I really want to know, I really want to know the interpretation of this dream. Well, three days later, at three o'clock in the morning, I sat up in bed and God clearly spoke to me and said, Lyle, I want to tell you what your dream means. I said, okay, God, well, you know, I'm, I'm listening. What does it mean? And he said, it means this. It means that um, the, the band, you know, fell off of Lou's hand, and I want you to bring a new band around Lou to uphold the watch of the Lord. 
The reason why the, why the clock never fell off is because Lou is a father who, who stands for, who carries, who, who, who embodies the watch of the Lord, which is intercession. It's night and day prayer. It's what he was talking about. Some of the boring prayer meetings, you know, that you don't even feel like going to, but you go anyway, and you're just like a part of it. And you're like, I don't know if we did anything. And yet heaven is listening and, and your prayers are gaining momentum. And like he said, they're, they're, they're being built as a memorial to God. And I felt like that that night, you know, God just said, you, you know, you're called to bring this new band. I thought, I am not. <laughs> like, I'm not even good at intercession, you know? It's like, I know intercessors. I know prophetic intercessors. Like, they're amazing. And people who pray and fast and, you know, do night and day prayer. And I, I, I you know, fasted quite a bit beforehand. But, you know, I just really felt like that was a strange thing for God to give me in a dream. And I talked to Lou about it. In fact, that's why Lou actually showed up at the conference. Justin knows he picked him up. And we talked about it in the lobby before he preached. But, um... You know, I, I just, I really felt as I shared that dream at the GO conference, it unearthed something in the spirit. It was as fresh to me when I shared it on Friday night at the GO conference as it was at three o'clock in the morning when God gave me the interpretation two years ago when my hair was that short. It was that fresh. It was like, wow, this has still got a lot of life on it. Like it's got even more life on it. It was almost like it had been building up life the longer that it had just rested in my spirit. And so now, honestly, you guys, I don't know what this means. I don't know if it's because, you know, we're, we're merging as a family and what's on Heritage House of Blessing, but I just feel there's some stirring inside of me just for the fundamental elements of prayer and all day prayer and night and day prayer and intercession and, you know, going after God in the secret place as well as partnering it with fasting and you guys with me, you know, just because it's fundamental doesn't mean it's elementary. You know, a lot of times we think, oh, I learned that back in the day, so that's something small and it's no longer important. And actually, I think some of the most important things in God are the things that we learn first. Which is why I think in the book of Revelation, you know, the angel is speaking and, and, you know, you lost your first love. That's actually, actually Jesus. Jesus is speaking and saying, you lost your first love. You know, I think it's, it's, when we start, it's when we start to just wax cold of like this, ah, you know, it's not important, those fundamental elements of truth that God put in my spirit when I was first saved. I don't know about you guys, but when I was first saved, I used to pray and fast a lot. How about you guys? Anybody else in here? You know, I want you to know that your high watermark in God is not supposed to be the first three months after you got saved. You know, the Bible teaches us that we're called to go from glory to glory to glory to glory right? So whatever awesome thing that God has done in your past, I want you to take heart because he has plans to outdo himself. The best truly is yet to come because God's promise is it goes from the glory to the glory to the glory. So no matter how awesome it's been in the past, it's getting better. That's the promise of God. Would you guys receive that? No matter how on fire you've been for God in the past, God actually has a prophetic word for you tonight that you're going to be more on fire in the next season than you ever have been in all the previous seasons combined. I don't know about you guys, but like, I want that. Like, I deeply desire that. I don't, I, for me, and maybe I should just share some personal testimonies, but I don't have enough time. What time is it? I got about 22 minutes. All right. So, you know, Guys, when I, when I first got saved, man, like I found Exodus 33. I studied the Bible chronologically. I did not have a Bible study plan. I didn't read a lot of books. I didn't know how to pray or anything. I just found Exodus 33. I saw that, that, um, that Moses, am I getting this right? 
saw the glory. Right? You know? And so I saw that in Exodus 33, and I thought, man, if this guy could see God, then I want to see God. Like, I want to have an experience where God steps out of eternity into time, and I behold him, and I see him, and I know it's him. Like, what would that be like? You know, I just made it like a personal mission statement. Like, if I don't do anything else in my Christian life on this side of heaven, you know, while I'm alive in my, you know, earthly life, then I just want to see God. You know, why can't I just tap into what Enoch tapped into? Is this getting too crazy for you guys? But it's in the Bible, so I got inspired by it. And I thought if this could happen for somebody else, I've also read in the Bible that God's not a respecter of persons. What he'll do for one, he'll do for another. And I don't want to be taken up with like Enoch necessarily. You know, I got a family and everything. But, you know, I still want to encounter God in the same way. <laughs> right? Like, I, like how, how, how is it possible? You know, I've heard one person say, like, how is it possible that a superior blessing is reserved for an inferior covenant? You know, if Moses saw God, you know, he, he saw the backside of God, you know, how vulnerable is God to show a man his backside? Come on. You know, if, if, if some, that was better than some of you guys said amen. But I think it's a good word. Anyways, so I'm, I'm reading that. I'm like, dude, I want to see God. And, and honestly, guys, I would pace around my bed at night reading the Bible chronologically, and I would get so scared. It was like the fear of God would possess me, and I would flip on all the lights. I'd turn on the radio. I'd turn on my CD player. I'd turn on the television. I would just turn on everything because I started getting scared of what, if, what would happen if God actually came. I'm, I'm going to die. Anybody else ever had that experience before? You know, of just like, of just seeking after God and saying, God, whatever it takes, whatever it means, whatever it looks like, whatever it costs me, whatever I have to get up, give up, whatever I have to say no to, whatever time I have to get up, I'll get up and I'll seek your face because I want you more than I want anything else. You guys know what I'm talking about? Guys, I mean, when I was, when I, when I was younger, you know, I battled a lot of like uh, night terrors, you know, spiritual warfare. And I know that's not always cool to talk about uh, today, but I'm be honest with you. That was my experience. And guys, I was so passionate about seeing God do awesome stuff. And I recognized that around three o'clock in the morning was very often the times in which I'd have bad dreams and night terrors and really demonic visitations. And I started setting my alarm clock for 3 a.m. in the morning because I thought, well, if hell is coming to me at 3 a.m. in the morning, I'm not going to wait around for him to wake me up. I'm just going to go ahead and set my alarm clock and I'm going to give it back to him before he even has the chance to give me a night terror. I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. And, you know, and then I, I was, I was, you know, I used to get scared. I'd read Psalm 91 and, you know, I'd rebuke devils or whatever. And I just got to a point where I just stopped rebuking them. I just said, if you guys want to hang out, go ahead, because I'm going to worship Jesus. So, you know, if you want to watch, then, you know, have at it. I mean, you know, I got in trouble for fasting. I'm dead serious. Like, my pastor used to make me quit fasting. He's like, you weigh so little already. Stop. I'm your pastor. Come off this fast. And, of course, I did, you know, because I wanted to, uh, you know, be in submission to my pastor. But, dude, I just, you know, I was, I was passionate about it. And I got to be honest with you guys. I, I feel like in the, in the, in the last few years, um, I, I've, I've, I've kind of lost my value for, for fasting and, and for persistent prayer. You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm sure I'm speaking to a few of you guys in here. 
And, you know, to be honest with you guys, I don't necessarily, as I think about it, I don't necessarily believe that I lost my value for it, but I actually think I got confused about it. Because I stopped seeing clearly the importance of things like fundamental, persistent prayer, time spent in the presence, and pushing away the plate to seek God, fasting. And I believe this with all my heart, that the enemy works overtime to confuse Christians in areas of great spiritual breakthrough. Hell doesn't want you to hear a sermon on fasting because hell understands the power of a believer that's overcome their belly. If you can whip the belly, you got the flesh whipped. You do. And the devil can't stand a bunch of spiritual Christians. He can't deal with that. He needs fleshly Christians, bench warmers, right? Who don't live up to their potential in Jesus. Right? He, he can't stand a spiritual person, you know? He can't stand a spiritual Christian. Somebody who's led of the spirit. He needs you to be led of your gut. So, so hell purposely confuses Christians as to the importance or the value of things like fasting because he knows that as long as he shrouds it with confusion, then he can keep at an arm's distance the things that God intends for great spiritual breakthrough. That's why there's confusion around prayer, just persistent prayer. How often do you need to pray? Why do you need to pray? How should you pray? I mean, it's just all these questions that are not important. It's just Jesus said pray. You know, he kept it simple. His illustrations were simple. You know, Jesus said fast. Well, how often do you fast? How do you fast? What do you eat before? What do you eat after? What do you eat during? How, is it really a fast? Can I fast this? Can I fast that? It's just, I think a lot of that stuff, man, is just confusion that we, and, and then we disqualify ourselves. Well, we're just not going to do it at all because I don't know what it means. Anybody else ever had this experience? Maybe it's just me. I've had this experience a lot, to be honest with you. And I think there's a lot of topics like that. I think persistent prayer is one. I think fasting is one. I think finances are another. I think tithing is another. Can I get two good amens from the people who were here for the hashtag blessed series, <laughs> right? Um, you know, but, but what, what, I, what I feel um, more than anything else as we talk about these things is that we should examine the truth that Jesus preached about prayer and about fasting because we can talk a lot about a subject, but it doesn't mean anything unless Jesus has something to say. You guys with me? So what does Jesus have to say about prayer and fasting? Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, and then I'm going to read Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 and 17, both in the ESV. So if you want to, you want to open it up on your app, you can do that, but Matthew 6. And, the, and we see just a wonderful message here given by Jesus where he talks about both prayer and fasting, okay? So first scripture I want to read is Matthew 6, 5 and 6, and this is what it says. And when you pray, everybody say, when you pray. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Have you guys ever wondered what that means? You know, what, what, the, what the religious people were doing by praying in public were they were looking for, um, you know, they were looking for public um, adoration or public acknowledgement. They were looking to impress other people. And what they did got them public recognition and they impressed other people and that's what Jesus said was their reward. See, they don't have a spiritual reward from my father who's in heaven. They got what they, they intended. They impressed a few people. But Jesus is like big whoop because that doesn't really matter in the kingdom. 
Anyways. So he says, but when you pray, everybody say, when you pray. Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. How many of you guys want a reward? Dude, I'll take yours. How many of you guys want a reward? Come on, man, I want a reward. And uh, so what Jesus does is in this, in this passage, in these two verses of Scripture, he says something twice, which is when you pray. How many of you guys would, would say Jesus expects us to pray? If you believe that, just say amen. amen. All right, let's, you know, what he says is he said, here's how you don't pray, but then here's how you pray. So let's skip down to verse 16 and 17. It says, when you fast, everybody say, when you fast. When you fast. Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Once more, they got their reward, right? They impressed a few people by their spirituality. Faux spirituality, <laughs> Truly, I tell you, uh, they have their reward in full. But when you fast, everybody say, when you fast. When you fast. Put oil on your head and wash your face. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus says, when you fast, two times in these two verses of Scripture, in the same way that he said, when you pray, two times in two verses of Scripture, in the exact same sermon. How many of you guys would agree that Jesus expects us to fast? Ew. 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 I'm getting into trouble. But what we see happen here is that Jesus says that praying is just as important as fasting in this sermon. And Jesus says that fasting uh-oh, is just as important as praying in this sermon. This is a sermon on the mount, by the way. We're diving in huh? here, huh? So what's fasting? fasting? Fasting is obtaining from food for spiritual purposes. I'm not saying you can't fast other things. We shouldn't be religious about fasting. I know that. But fasting biblically, I, I think we primarily see it as fasting is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. So why, why are we fasting? Why, why, are, why are we asking the church to fast? Well, there are many reasons to fast. There are many benefits of fasting. But one of the primary reasons of fasting and why I feel we should fast is this. Write this down if you're taking notes. To humble ourselves. To humble ourselves. When we humble ourselves, we acknowledge our complete dependency upon Jesus. We, we are humble when we stop thinking that we're better than other people. And when we stop pretending that we have it all together and that we're professionals at church mergers and we know how to win a city to Jesus. Because I, I just want to be honest with you guys, I don't know how to do any of those things. Does anybody else in here? <laughs> Please pray for me afterwards. So what I think we should do for the next 21 days is humble ourselves. And just be, get, let's just get real before God and before each other as a family and say, God, we don't know. We don't know how to do this. Let's, let's just be honest, okay? Can we be transparent? Let's be vulnerable. You know, we're not trying to be better than anybody else. We're not trying to prove to other people that we're spiritual by doing 21 days of devotion. We don't want that reward. 
We want the reward that Jesus has for us through the Father in the open, which is a harvest of souls of people being brought back into their purpose and right alignment with the kingdom of heaven and giving the lamb the reward of his suffering. You know, Jesus didn't die for us to impress people with our long prayers in public. You know, he died for the people that we live next to that don't know Jesus. You know, he died for the people who are a part of our family who are confused about where they're supposed to be in this season of their lives. You know, he died for the people that we bypass each and every day in the city of Nashville that have no idea that hell's real. Fasting is a biblical God-appointed way for us to humble ourselves. Do you guys know why our prayers don't get answered? Do you, go, do you guys know why we have, when, when, we, when we don't, why we have no strategy from God? If you're taking notes, write this down. Pride. You guys know why we don't get healed? And I'm not talking about physically healed. I'm talking about sometimes physically healed, but healed in our heart, pride. That's why we don't go to inner healing because we don't want anybody else being involved in our stuff. All that is is pride. That's, that is all, only pride. So we will hang on to our hurt because of pride. <laughs> and fasting humbles us. It gets the pride out. Are you guys with me? So you may, you know, I, you may have fasted before. I used to fast. I, I just feel like that this is coming back on the radar. You guys heard Lou Engel, right? He was like, I hate fasting. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? Yeah. You know, but I think this is the reason why, you know, fasting is, is important, but also fasting is so tough because fasting requires something of us. Right. It requires us to let go of our pride, you know? Fasting requires something of us. And um, it takes work. It also takes time. You guys know prayer takes time, right? Yeah. I think that's probably one of the reasons why we're probably more, one of the more prayerless generations. It's just because no, nobody has time anymore. But I prove my love for my wife when I take time to spend with her. And we're steady trying to give Jesus a drive-by prayer. Take a number one with cheese, Boom. Man, I'm meddling tonight, man. I'm, I'm just, am I stepping on y'all's toes? I'm just sharing what God told me to share. And you know why, pray, you know why prayer and fasting is difficult? Because it requires us to deal with our idolatry. <laughs> it's true. That's, <laughs> I'm serious. That's why prayer and fasting work is because it, it smashes our blind, mute idols. They have ears, but they don't hear. They have eyes, but they don't see. It's, it's taking a sledgehammer and it's smashing the idols to pieces in our lives. You know, idols are what we have to check with before we're obedient to Jesus. Our idols are the things that we put in the place of God. It's the things that we start to depend on rather than Jesus for love. 
for direction and for comfort in our life. Those are all idols. And those are what fasting deals with. Fasting just deals a death blow to idols. Are you looking to something else before you're looking to Jesus? Then this fast is for you. I got news for you. The next 21 days is God's ordained next three weeks for your season of life. Having trouble being in submission to God's voice, the next three weeks are for you. Having trouble figuring out where you fit or what this means or, you know, how you're going to move into the next season, you don't have direction, this next three weeks are for you. You know, John Wesley, he wouldn't even ordain a minister unless they committed to fasting every Wednesday and Friday until 4 p.m. I don't know. That pumps me up. <laughs> That's just me, I guess. I read that and I'm like, I got to fast more. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, I'm like... I'm challenged by that. There's no way you can look at the Bible like Lou said. There's no way you can look at any of the greats of the faith and see as fasting as not a part of their lives and their ministries. Because fasting is a God-appointed way for us to humble ourselves. I know I have a few more minutes, but I want to share a few more scriptures. Is that okay? Luke 14 and 11 says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. There's only one safe place in life, and that's on the floor. Just think about that. Because if you're already at the bottom, there's no place to go but up. If you're willing to put your head on the carpet and humble yourself in fasting and prayer, the only direction for you to move is God-ordained exaltation. <laughs> Jesus help me seriously because I want to do a shout I don't even want to preach anymore I'm dead serious we're going to have to do worship after this I'm so sorry Michael we got to do one song <laughs> can we do one song seriously okay awesome there, when you're on the floor there's just no lower that you can go you know, the thing about Lucifer was, is he reached out for equality with God and he slipped and fell down. But Jesus, who had equality with God, humbled himself unto a cross and then the Father exalted him up. So what direction do you want to go? I don't want anybody to lift me up except for Jesus. I don't want any exaltation unless it comes first from the Father. To be honest with you guys, I'm, I'm scared of being lifted up if it's not by God's hand. I don't want man to lift me up. I don't want, to see the, I don't want man to see me praying long prayers in the synagogue or in public places. I don't want that reward. And I, I'm saying that to God right now on my own behalf and on behalf of our church. That's not the reward that we want, Jesus. As a community, we want your reward. We want you to exalt us. What do we have anyway that you didn't give us? So for the next 21 days, we just want to, we want to go, on the, go to the floor, man. This is a universal guarantee, right? It works in heaven and on the earth. It, it's God's way. The way up is to go down. The higher we want to go in God and in our city, we must be willing to go to the same extent low. 
James 4 and 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will, you guys finish it, exalt you. It's a promise. You see, it's not a suggestion. There's no gray area in that. God promises that if we will humble ourselves, that he will personally make it his business that we are exalted. So Lord, here we are. We're saying, God, we want to be exalted, but only by you. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6 says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. Everybody say humility. humility. Toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I mean, that's probably one of the reasons why we, we find ourselves feeling the lack of grace is because of our pride. You know, because we're trying to push into God with our pride. Guess who pushes harder? Right? And that's what he says. Hey, if you come to me with your pride, you're not going to have access. Is that too much? But if you come to me in humility, guess, guess who has everything I've got? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. You know, it's interesting that God says to humble ourselves. You notice that it doesn't say to ask him to do it for us. If you pray the prayer, God humble me, you're going to regret that prayer. <laughs> anybody ever prayed that prayer? And any, 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 anybody, God ever answered that prayer? If you guys want to come, team, you can come. I, I'm not finished, but we can, we, I just want to get ready for a, a song. In Psalm 35, verse 13, David said, I humbled my soul with fasting. This is the way we humble our inner man. We, we humble our internal world by fasting. You know what our soul is? It's, it's, it's the seat of emotion, right? It's the mind, the will, the emotion. And here's what the soul says. The soul says, I want, I think, and I feel. That's what the soul says. And when we fast, we start to align what we want, what we think, and what we feel to the perfect will of God. That's, that's the result of fasting. So here's the last passage that I want to read to you guys, and then we'll do a song, okay? You guys excited about this? I don't know why I'm apologizing to you, honestly. If you're not, if you're not with it, it's okay, but I just think we should sing. Okay. All right, cool. Second Chronicles 2 and 14. You guys probably all know this passage. It's the last one I'm going to read. It's super famous. It's, you know, read a lot. But it says, if my people, everybody say if. Yes. You notice we have a role to play here in this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Everybody say humble themselves. And pray. Everybody say pray. pray. And seek my face. Everybody say seek my face. See, that's what we're doing on Wednesday. And turn from their wicked ways. Then, everybody say then. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. And here's, the, dude, here is the big thing. And then I will heal their land. How many of you guys want this neighborhood to be healed, man? How many of you guys want East Nashville to receive a healing? Man, there's nothing that I would be more happier um, about than to see the prophetic promises that have been proclaimed right here in this pulpit throughout the last however many years taking place and coming to fruition.
I want to see that. What about you guys? I want to see the land healed, man. Well, God teaches us how to do it. He says to humble ourselves. God actually commands us, deal with your pride. And then he says, pray and seek my face. What does it mean to seek the face of God? It means to pray long enough until you're fully in his presence. You guys know what I'm talking about? Don't try to figure that out theologically. Just, to, just, just align it with your experience. You guys all know what the presence of God feels like, don't you? You, you know what the presence, how many of you guys want to feel that? I, I, want, I want to be in the presence of God. And I, I, think that, I think that God's asking, pray long enough to, get in, to just get into the full presence of God where you just, you bypass your own flesh and you just you step into the presence of God. And then it says, um, it says, turn from their wicked ways. And you know, when you hear that, here's the knee-jerk response, right? I don't have any wicked ways. I don't have any wicked ways. Here's the truth. Until you get in the presence of God, you don't know what your wicked ways are. Because it's real easy to believe that you don't have any wicked ways. But when you step into the light, God starts exposing things that might seem small in the day-to-day, but become real big in His presence. And we all have wicked ways. That's part of being humble and being real, saying, God, I don't have this thing all figured out. I don't, I've not been perfected yet. I'm not a finished masterpiece. I still struggle. I still wrestle with stuff. Anybody else in here? Can anybody else in here just get real for the last five minutes of this service? I mean, we've been here for two hours already. We might as well just take another five minutes for Jesus. So that's what I'm saying. Like, what do we need to leave behind? Because God's going to hear when we humble ourselves the next three weeks. He's going to forgive our sin. He's going to heal the land. So as you guys are standing up, I just, I just want to ask you guys, is this from God? I'm not asking for a response. I'm just saying, just consider in your own heart, is this from God or not? Just, just simply, just consider that one question. Is this from God or not? Is this message from God? And if, if you come to the conclusion that it is, then ask yourself another question. Then what does it mean for you? For the next 21 days at least, what does it mean for you? What role do you have to play in the family? You know, one of the things I see Jesus doing is like Jesus always goes a little bit further and Jesus always goes first. And so if you feel called to leadership in this family, dude, get on that first week. Just jump on that first week. Doesn't matter if somebody else's name is there. Just jump on that first week. Put it in, do a day, 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. We're, we're starting tonight at six. I'm going first, okay? You can jump in with me if you want to, but we're starting tonight for the next 21 days. And if it is for you, then, you know, what role, what does it mean? What does it mean for you? So as we're finishing, guys, we're just going to do one one song and um, and then Teal's going to close this out. What song are you guys going to do? Not sure? That's the way I like it. So you guys ready? You want to worship one song? You guys ready? You want to worship one song? Come on, let's let's just worship one song.